You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN St. Nazians. I'm not sure I pronounced that one right, but it is a place, uh, St. N-A-Z-I-A-N-Z. It is in Manitowoc County. Shout out to our listeners uh, in St. Nazians. Um, I've never been to our ESPN affiliate there. If I did, I would be sure to how to pronounce that name. Uh, but since I haven't, you know, I don't know, but I'll get there eventually. And I guess Frank, oh man, what a weekend. Uh, Frank Madden, founder of brewhoop.com, joining me today. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Uh, it's been a lot more eventful for the Milwaukee Bucks than probably I, I would have liked in the first, uh, what are we at now? 12 or 13 hours of free agency recording at one o'clock on Sunday. Um, and I think before we start anything, I think we, I just go back to something that we talked about with Dean the other day, and that was, you know, when you're a team going into free agency and you don't have a lot of flexibility, if you do something at midnight on, on the first day of free agency, it's not because you're getting great value. And, you know, as a fan, you're just praying that it's somebody that is going to be playable and useful and hopefully it's not too long of a, a term deal. And I guess if we start with the Ursa Sova signing, that's that's pretty much where I am. I uh, I let me just pause there. Well, I, I don't know what what were your thoughts when you when you first saw that come across the wire last night? Ursan getting a reported three years, twenty one million, two first two years guaranteed, third year non guaranteed. Thank God. Um, so anyway, two years of of Ursan thoughts on what that means for the Milwaukee Bucks because obviously. There's there's a lot of potential ramifications for this move. I don't know if I'm going to quite go Brian Windhorst stunned as he tried to figure out why Paul George accepted uh, the four-year deal with the Oklahoma City Thunder, but if there would have been a camera on me, it would have been pretty close to that because I, I don't get it. I simply don't understand why that would be the move that you'd make. I don't even know when that broke, 12, 12.05 Eastern, like, if if you told me before the offseason started that the Bucks signed Ersan Ilyasova, I would not have been mad. I would have said, oh, okay. Well, they probably took a couple weeks and, you know, like maybe July 14th or something, signed him to, I don't know, two-year, $6 million deal. Like, I would have been cool with that. To me, that seems like a great signing. You know, you got good value out of a role player that – you know, you know is going to perform. Mike Boonholzer is comfortable with him. Okay, fine. You you got a good deal on on a veteran, and you were patient, and you waited it out, and that was great. That didn't happen. That was your first priority. You decided to use, I mean, 
not the entirety of the MLE, but pretty dang close. Basically, basically, uh, yeah. Like you, you can't. I don't even. Can you use another part of the MLE? Like no. It's, so I don't. I don't know. I, I just I cannot comprehend what the thought process was behind this because at least this is how I view the remaining roster spots on, on the bucks roster all in those spots. You are trying to maximize value a $7 million deal for Ersan Ilyasova will never be maximized. He might reach it. He might somehow be able to give you $7 million of value and we can break him down as a player coming up, but there's no way he's going to give you eight or nine or ten million dollars of value. There's no way he's going to give you fifty million dollars of value. There's there's no upside there. Like there's a world that exists where Urson will be worth seven million dollars next year, which is great. There's a world that exists that'll be worth seven million dollars next year, also great. And then you're not guaranteed in the third year, great. But there's also way more worlds that exist that he doesn't get you seven million dollars worth of value because. He doesn't see the floor enough. Uh, it doesn't end up working out. He uh, just ends up having a down shooting year. He doesn't quite fit in the way that you'd want him to with some of the other players. Like, there's a bunch of things that could make this deal, you know, ultimately mean he did not get you $7 million worth. And, and I just, there's, to me, there's no upside to it. There's there's a potential that it, it's totally fine and he ends up being a role player that can contribute, but there is no upside to this deal. And I just feel like this Bucks roster, I think you got to be in a spot where you can hopefully potentially find someone that can outplay whatever you're paying them. Does that mean it's going to work out? No, but at least if you sign two guys from the bargain bin and they're both at two years and four to six million like there's a chance that those guys outplayed and you have created an asset out of nothing i i don't know if ursan is ever that no i mean this is i think i think if there's um a, a theme to, to i mean this is a lot of what we talked about on draft night as well right and and obviously um not to say that Dante DiVincenzo and Ursula Isova have anything in common as basketball players, really, except I guess you could say they're they're like white and they are like try-hard types, um, which is significant because I think, uh, not the white part, but but the try-hard sort of know what you can get relatively to, you know, relative to the other options type thing. I mean, it just seems like, again, the Bucks are sort of like, they want to be safe, they want to be familiar, right? Um, we'll get to the Brandon Jennings stuff in a, in a, in a few minutes. Um, but it just seems like, yeah, they're not rolling the dice. You know, they think like we can be a, a really good team just by Giannis, Chris, and you know, a cloud of hardworking dust, basically. And I think we've talked about. I mean, yeah, they can be a good team. I think for sure. I mean, we've talked about this as you know, I think this team has fifty win potential and all that. But um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's it's um, you know, it's like you're you're down. You know, again, kind of drawing back to the sort of the Celtics. You know, chasing the Celtics and Sixers. Um, they're you know they're out there kind of taking hacks and the bucks are sort of like trying to bunt single on on in front of first base or something i don't don't know what the metaphor is um you know like it's you look at like boston which you know every year now has been going out and signing random guys from overseas that have then like panned out into useful rotation players you know whether it was daniel tyson shane larkin last year or you know they signed brad wanamaker this year i mean again like i don't know brad wanamaker i don't know anything about him but you know they they use sort of like their their full sort of arsenal of, of tricks to go try to find guys 
um, to fill out the roster. And I mean, the Sixers, I mean, they had Urson last year. They they obviously benefited from him signing him to a minimum deal after he had a after he got bought out. Oh, what Hawks. now? A minimum deal. Oh, imagine huh. that. Weird. Um, last year, Urson got what like a one plus one, I think seven. I think it was like around seven million um, from the Hawks, and um, he was totally fine there. And then the Hawks sucked, and they realized well. They couldn't trade him for whatever, for whatever reason, which is not a good sign for the Bucks either. If they if the Hawks couldn't get anything for him at the deadline, mm-hmm. um, and then they just bought him out, and he went to the Sixers, and was I mean it was good, was useful, I and mean, struggled shooting uh, against the Celtics, but um, was a useful piece there. Did play some small ball five as well while Embiid was out towards the end of the season, and they went on their really nice run. Um, so I mean, there's like a I, I guess a, a you know that's sort of a, a maybe a blueprint a bit of what. Ilya Silva could do and we can talk about that obviously as well but just in terms of you know trying to really find value again like you if you get a guy in the first night of free agency it's because you paid him more than anybody else is going to pay right yep. and you know with Ursan, there's obviously the additional angle of like his wife being from Milwaukee and so he's got the connection so he's probably more likely to be willing to play here anyway but um but yeah I mean you're again you don't get bargains on the first night of free agency and if you're talking about you know trying to keep your powder dry keep maximum flexibility also keep up you know sort of the um i don't necessarily want to say charade but maintain your leverage with the jabari park or restricted free agency situation it's not by signing a power forward on night one of free agency that um you know gives teams like a very clear sense uh yeah you're probably already thinking about moving on right because i think that's the other big piece of this um whether or not the Bucks should move on from Jabari Parker, you don't want other teams to think that you definitely are moving on from Jabari Parker. And certainly signing Ursan, um, well, obviously he's a very different player from Jabari. He's not going to play any small forward as Jabari might. Um, you know, there's obviously a, a very clear, like, yeah, we don't have another power forward because we don't know what Jabari Parker's going to do. G.J. Wilson's useless, and so we need to go spend a bunch of money on a you know 31-year-old who maybe is 34, actually, um, and and get that kind of like you know predictable veteran type presence. Which again, I I think Urson can absolutely be additive to the roster. Um, but but you know when you have so few sort of you know bullets in the chamber in terms of free agency, um, yeah. I mean again, I. I like like I you know like we talked about the other day I think to get value I think you have to be willing to sit tight and let the market kind of let the you know let the 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 expensive deals be signed on night one where teams kind of show their cards and go after guys they really want and then see who's left over because there's going to be guys left over and you know it's it's not even so much Urson right now that I have the problem with it's that in two weeks there's going to be a whole bunch of guys sign and we're all going to sit around saying oh man that guy signed for the minimum that guy signed for the minimum that guy signed for a one year five million or whatever you know that that's that to me is is the the big the big thing that that's kind of tough and again i mean it's like there's no guarantees but i don't really care like i don't you know you don't need, like it's not like you you desperately need ursan Ilyasova specifically and you know, again, he might very well end up being a better player than you could have gotten in two weeks or in a week or whenever kind of the market begins to stretch out. Um, but again, there's trade-offs, and it's that second year that that's why you got him because pr- probably nobody else was offering him a second year, and and the Bucks did. And um, you know, someone was joking with me about how well they needed somebody that they could stretch and uh, have to eat eat cap on for three years next year. And so hopefully that doesn't happen with Arsenio Silva, but. Um, Again, this it's a, it's a move that is it's very much inside the box of sort of unadventurous cr- thinking that I think the Bucks kind of are now kind of going down. They're 
they're just going to take guys that they think they know what they can do and um, you know, they're okay not being anywhere close to having the kind of, t- you know, not, not really gambling anything. And again, it's hard to gamble on upside in free agency in general, but, um, you know, I mean, that's the thing, like, like we talked about like a guy like Mario Hizonia, right? Very much like a flyer type guy. I would say expected value, probably not as useful as Ursula Sova next year, but also has like a way better chance of becoming a good NBA player for years to come versus Ursan, who, you know, is clearly on the downside of his career. And, and so again, that's just sort of, that's just not how the bucks I think are, are wired. Right. And I think it speaks to like having a coach, having a lot of influence and coaches not wanting to do a deal with that kind of stuff and just wanting guys that they can trust and that they don't have to really work as hard with. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to, you don't need to target specific players target specific skills like if what you're after is a big that can be a four or five and shoot a little bit like there are other guys out there target that skill and wait for that skill and then get it at a price that makes more sense and uh, i mean i think you make a good point at the end here this uh, i think you'd be crazy to say that budenholzer's familiarity with Ilyasova didn't have something to do with him getting signed there's just no oh, yeah. way there's just no way that you could say that and when you look at it okay first night we're going to go out we're going to target him we're going to get our guy that's who we're after that's the person that we want why because you've coached him before like, you're a good coach you can coach somebody else up you don't need to find this specific guy and it, it's just i don't know it was it was incredibly strange for me to watch and then there's just so much else there that the Bucks can still match Jabari Parker and you can break down the cap specifics in a little bit if we need to, but the Bucks can still sign Jabari Parker and that's totally fine. But the game of poker you're playing, you have two of your cards showing. You just showed the whole table. Hey, these I have these two cards because you said, you know what, on opening night of free agency, we're going to go out and we're going to sign this power forward and this is going to be a guy... What if Jabari Parker comes back? He's going to want to play, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes a night. Where the hell is Ersan Ilyasova going to go then? <laughs> like, it, there, There's no way. Because at this point, I already have concerns about how I'm getting Ersan Ilyasova on the floor. And we can talk about that in a second. But if Jabari Parker comes back, where's he going? How is he playing? How does he fit? Is it is a three four five lineup of Ursan Jabari and Giannis? Because that doesn't sound great to me. Like I just don't understand how you you can make this move on the first night of free agency. Like it just does it, it to me. It defies all logic because there isn't anything about Ursan Ilyasova that says this guy needs to be a priority other than you being comfortable with him and knowing that you're probably going to get a certain level of certainty and production out of him. Other than that, I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. And and like you said, you know, there's not going to be crazy upside guys. You mentioned Hazonia is one of them, but I don't even care about upside as the idea of, uh, you know, finding a great player that, you know, you can have for years to come. I'm just thinking about if I want to maximize this $7 million, maximizing that $7 million and give me a chance to earn something to have a player perform at a level level higher than $7 million. I think Ursan Ilyasova has got to be near the bottom 
of players you would choose because there just isn't a way. Like if I get two bargain bin guys, maybe I hit on one of them and one's way better and the other one's meh. And that's fine. Like I, it, this whole thing just doesn't make sense to me. And then we haven't even gotten into the player. Like this is just basic contract stuff that I'm thinking about because one, what are you doing with Jabari? How does this affect Jabari? Because at this point, if you tell someone, oh yeah, we're going to match every offer. You are? Okay, so what's your plan? <laughs> You're going to match this offer for Jabari Parker. What's your plan? Is Jabari going to start? Is Urs- Where does Urson fit in? You just spend all this money on him on the first night of free agency. How does that work out? So you're you're telling really bucks. You're telling us right now you're going to match this offer. How how do you play these games of poker? You can't. So is there a sign? If there was a possibility of a sign and trade, I just think it got diminished with this move because there's no way you can go into these meetings and say, yeah, we want him back. You just signed his replacement. It, it, there's just no way. It, I don't know. I it. it like I said, I was shocked to see it. And now to go further into, you know, what the player that that Ursan Ida Silva is, I, I've seen it all. Like, I've seen people, you know, mention the fact that, you know, he's going to be reliable and, you know, he, he's he been productive. And, like, I'm, I'm not going to – I'm not going to dispute any of that because it would be silly to do so. His – his resume and his production pretty much speaks for itself. Like he's pretty much guaranteed to give you 10 points and I don't know, five or six rebounds. Like that's him. That's what he does year in and year out. His three point percentage might fluctuate, but he's going to be a threat from out there as well. Like all those things, totally, totally fine. But I, I just, it's, Man, I, I don't even know. I, I'm just kind of at a loss because as you try to figure out where he fits in here, is he a small ball five? Okay. He played some of that in Atlanta. He played some of that in Philly. Okay, so he's a small ball five. How many minutes a night are you playing him as a small ball five, which essentially helps make Giannis your center? Uh, and you, you're probably going to put a heavier load on Giannis. Five minutes a night? Eight minutes a night? Ten minutes a night? Uh, under Jason Kidd and Joe Prunty, it was pretty rare. Uh, but on the best of nights, they would get it up to, you know, five or eight. Uh, so is, does Mike Boonholzer have a plan to get it to 10, 12, 15? Because that, then, okay, there's there's 10 to 12 minutes for Ursan. And yeah, like we said, going into this, Giannis is going to play 35 minutes tonight. So he gets the 13 minutes at backup power forward, and that's how you get him to 25 minutes. What if Giannis doesn't want to play that much small ball center? What if it doesn't work out that way and you can only find Ersan Ilyasova 20 minutes? And, uh, oh, also, you picked you picked DJ Wilson last year, who is <laughs> essentially this player archetype, so he's done, which is fine. It, he hasn't proven anything, but uh, just all the messaging that goes along with Ersan Ilyasova is totally detrimental to everyone else on the roster like it, they, it just how this works and how this fits doesn't make any sense so uh, all this stuff trying to put it together with Urs on the on the floor now it's okay there's gonna be more small ball with Giannis okay that could work out you know Ursan can spread the floor he's gonna take all of Giannis's backup power forward minutes and I, I guess he'll be good to go with 
the defensive schemes and stuff like that. And I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, as I attempt to talk through all of it, I get even more confused because it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, looking at Ursan's game a little bit. So he was, I think he was about like a hair positive in, in RPM terms last night or last season. Um, so he's getting sort of net impact on the court. Um, I think probably part of this is like, I, or at least I think probably if you're like a casual fan, you're kind of like, well, why would you do this? Oh, it's because they, they want to get some like rebounding, right? Because the Bucks were bad at rebounding last year. Well, <laughs> Ursan, I mean, his rebounding numbers are are at this point, not actually particularly good for a power forward, certainly not for a center. Um, you know, you look at sort of the, the uh, what I like to look at, uh, cleaning the glass, they also show sort of how how differently teams their teams rebounded with the guy on the court versus off the court, which can help, right? Guys who, you know, like the Robin Lopez types who are like more box out guys who don't necessarily grab a lot of rebounds, but they help their teams grab more rebounds. Um, Ursan, uh last year, really didn't have really the last few years hasn't has had sort of a very mixed bag in terms of his impact on teams defensive rebounding um was good in in orlando a few years ago um but um but you know in terms of the last couple years been been very up and down um so i think again like if you're expecting that ursan's like solving your rebounding issues like no it's not you know that's that's a much broader issue than you know even if he was sort of still maybe the guy you think he was previously, he's not necessarily going to solve that offensive rebound. He's typically been a bit better there uh, in terms of his impact, but okay. You know, um, I, I, I'll enjoy the little tapa tapa Ursan multiple attempt stuff from, from back in the day, but also that sort of also inflates his offensive rebounding numbers. Cause half the yep. time he's like putting back his own like point blank misses. So, um, you know, he's a guy, you know, what you're going to get, he'll, he'll attempt to take lots of charges, He'll take a fair number of charges. He'll be on the ground all the time. Um, he'll play with a bit of an edge. Um, he'll hit probably mid thirties in terms of uh, three point percentage, which you know again can can help if you use him in the right way. Um, and you know again he's a team guy, whatever, blah blah blah. Um, no one can understand what he says, but that's part of his charm, I guess. Uh, and so I, yeah, I again like you know Urson adding Urson to this roster as you said right away. I mean adding Urson to the roster fine you know if, if he's a guy you add for three million bucks in mid-july when sort of the market is really kind of tightening up i like that signing a lot oh right? i'd be if applauding you, it i would you, I, that was a great job you you showed some patience you showed a, a a greater understanding of what's going on in the free agent market and you found a good value i would be applauding yeah. it yeah um but, or, you know, if you get him at buyout season, like last year when the Bucks apparently had interest and, and Philly ended up um, beating them to that. And Ursan obviously had a nice impact for them down the stretch along with Marco Bellinelli. Um, you know, then that's also a really nice, really nice spot to get him at. But um, but yeah, I mean, getting him um, getting him on the first night of free agency using, you know, basically all of your mid-level exception. Um, and, and I guess just to be clear, so if you want to talk a little bit about sort of the cap impact of this, so. Um, signing him for seven million because that is greater than the the taxpayer mid level, which is a little basically it's like a little over five. Um, that means that the bucks, it basically means that the bucks are committing to not being um, 
well, I don't want to say not being a taxpayer, but it's not being over the tax apron, which is uh, $6 million plus the the tax level. So the tax level is at 123.7 this year, slightly higher than initially expected that came out yesterday. Um, and so essentially they're hard capped at, or I, I guess it's 123.8 maybe. Um, and the hard cap is the apron slash hard cap is 123.8 plus 6 million. So 129.8, let's say right around 130 million basically. So essentially what that means is they cannot, you know, we talk a lot about the luxury tax. Like you can, you can always shed salary later and get back under the tax. But the apron's a bit different because it's well above the tax. If you use the non-taxpayer mid-level, that means you can't go over the apron. So effectively, that's why you may have seen people say, "Well, the bucks are now hard capped." And what that means is that because they they've used the non-taxpayer mid-level, they're committing that. Well, you know, you can't then go over the apron because that means then that you would have only been eligible to use the taxpayer mid-level, which is five point whatever number. So. Um, so the, the kind of upshot of that is, you know, if you kind of look at where the Bucks cap numbers now sit, and so I was just kind of doing some quick math. I mean, you would hope that Ursan's deal was rising so that that last year would have been the most expensive one since that's non-guaranteed. So if you say if you say 21 million over three years with max raises, you kind of work it backwards. That puts you at like 6.67 million first year salary. So if you kind of do the kind of do the adding of, of the math on on what that is that leaves you with um 13 players excluding jabari parker um and takes you to let's see with all the um dead money they have in addition takes you to 110.4 million and again that's also including mirza toledovich and i'm including him because that 3.5 million doesn't come off until the earliest november and again for hard cap purposes like the hard cap doesn't care that maybe in a few months mirza toledovich is going to get wiped off like you just can't go over it so Essentially, you're at 110.4, and that includes also Tyler Zeller. I'm not including Brandon Jennings, who we'll get into in a minute. I, I consider the waiving of Brandon Jennings such a no-brainer that I don't even factor it into any of my cap sheets, okay, which we'll get to in a second. But let's assume Brandon Jennings, whose uh, uh, guarantee date has been moved to August 1st. Let's assume he's, he's not on the books, right, just for flexibility purposes. If you then also take out Tyler Zeller, that is 1.9 million. You take that out. Um, that leaves you with uh, 12 guys and total salaries of 108.5. So basically, you'd have, you know, and again, not saying the Bucks would want to spend up to the apron, but you know, in terms of actual money they can spend, they can spend a little over 21 million dollars on, for instance, if someone offered Jabari Parker an offer sheet and you know they had to match. It could be if it's over 21.3 million bucks, they literally can't match it unless they make other moves to shed salary, right? Which again, this is possible, obviously, um, but you'd have to be scrambling then in order to clear additional room to match it. Now, again, if somebody offers Jabari Parker, you know, if he signs an offer sheet for 21 million starting salary, like, I mean, I don't want them to match anyway, but obviously part of this whole game and the dance of restricted free agency is not putting yourself in a position where you can't even match something. And so I don't think they're necessarily in like red alert state because I don't know of any team that would necessarily want to give Jabari Parker that much money. Um, but again, when you when you chip away, when you make that commitment, you chip away at what you even have sort of in, you know, in, in reserve that you could even offer, um, that, uh, that obviously changes things. And, and so offering her some more than the mid-level means that you're committing to be, you know, hard capped at the apron, that 129.8 number. And so suddenly like it does become, you know, like you do have a defined max now that the bucks could, could match again, absent other moves, which, which obviously are possible, right? There could be some big Eric Bledsoe trade that happens or salary dump of somebody, whatever it is, right? All that stuff could happen. So, so that just, just kind of set the table. Now 
uh, the other important piece though is you know the 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 apron minus six is where is the money you effectively have under the tax right um and so you know even if i say well the bucks could match us for starting first year salary of 21 million and change for jabari parker to be under the luxury tax you have to knock it all the way down to about 15 million and in that scenario, um, I think you're still at like 13 guys then if you include Parker and Ilyasova or Parker plus whoever you might sign and trade him for. Um, and so then you still need at least one more guy likely to kind of fill out your roster. So you have to knock off like another 800K or so for, uh, for you know, another, another roster spot. So e- either way, in practicality, um, even if the Bucks could match an offer sheet or do a sign and trade, you know, or have the credibility to do that. Of, of taking back 21 million or you know in, in that scenario in reality to stay under the tax you'd have to be about six million dollars less so you're talking about like something in the ballpark of 15 million dollars that you could you know take back as part of a pack parker sign and trade or as part of a parker matched offer sheet and still be you know around the tax but again if they are if the question is just being around the tax you're going to get most likely that additional three and a half million in terms of flexibility um coming later this year with the toledovich situation so I don't worry about I wouldn't worry quite so much about that yet. But the bottom line is, like you're saying, you paint yourself into a corner by agreeing to this deal on night one and you're agreeing to a deal that, as you know, we've laid out, isn't really a deal. Right. It's it's you're paying top of the market for selling a Sova. And that that's obviously something that just say those words again was worth it. (laughs) Just say those words again. You're paying top of the market prices for Ursan Ilyasova. Do you feel how could you feel good about that? Well, and here's the thing, right? Like to get an unrestricted free agent, basically, unless you're like a title team that can attract guys for less money or maybe you have just like a great role you can offer a guy, you're always having to offer as much or more as any other team. Yep. But that means very different things at different parts of the year. And that's what we're alluding to, right? In two weeks, the market is going to be way tighter than it is right now, most likely. And so, you know, beating the next best offer for Sonny Silva now, you know, who knows if we're I mean, does Ursula Ilyasova sign a contract last night if the Bucks don't make that offer? It's a Who great knows? question. Yeah, it's it's very possible he doesn't have another deal that he loves. Maybe if is if the only other and again I'm totally speculating, but if the only other deal on the table is like one year, six million or something like that, does he take it? I, I don't know. I mean, it's possible. I think certainly with the market the way it is, I think anybody in his position getting close to the full mid level even for one year would have to think long and hard about it. But um, it's uh, that's the problem. That's the problem. It's the winner's curse issue, right? If you if you sign somebody on night one of free agency, it's because you valued him more than anyone else. And again, that by definition means that you know no one else would probably take that contract right now, and you're gonna have to get the most out of him at least for you know the next six months of for the first you know whatever first half of the season. Okay. Any other Ursan thoughts? Uh, we were talking a little bit before the podcast about you know, the possibility of small ball lineups and, um, they've worked to varying success for Ursan, uh, and the teams that he was on in Atlanta and Philadelphia, they ended up working in different ways. Typically the offense is, ends up being good to quite good. And the defense is a little bit more hit and miss. Um, but uh, I guess, do you have any other other thoughts there with Ursan and yeah. I guess his his play more specifically? Yeah, we were looking at um, some lineup data on him because again, I think if Ursan's just going to be a power forward, it's like just you know 
like how how do the Bucks even sit around? I mean, how does the front office of the Bucks even sit around talking about this and nobody just say like, what the hell are we doing, right? If, yeah. if the only if the idea is that he's only going to play the four for us, which is the position of our superstar player, then I mean, seriously, what on earth are you thinking? Because you have to be able to have more lineup flexibility. And to me, that's one of the biggest problems here. Why, you know, I, if we're if we're you know if we're seemingly limiting ourselves to only former Bucks <laughs> that the Bucks are signing, that's why I would rather have a guy like Beasley because I know Beasley can play multiple positions more easily and I can slot him in more easily um, versus Ursan, who really has been basically just a four his entire career. Now, I think if you look at if you look at the numbers, right? So in Atlanta, playing for Mike Budenholzer last year. He played around 400 minutes without either Dwayne Dedman, Mike Muscala, Miles Plumley, or I, I included John Collins just because it looked like they were using Collins more as a center in those minutes, and he's obviously not a, a floor stretcher. Um, in those scenarios, the Hawks were plus three points per 100, scored 121 points per 100, gave up 117. So where they were really bad defensively, very good offensively. With Ursan playing, you know, sort of as a four, a four man, or sorry, as a five, um, and then in Philly, only two hundred and change possessions, um, but they were very good. And I think this was, you know, again, this was down the stretch when they had that long winning streak, and he, after he had been picked up, um, one hundred nine points scored per one hundred. That's slightly above average for a lineup, um, but they were tremendous defensively, less than hundred points per one hundred. So in those scenarios, Ursan at center actually. Um, was part of very good lineups defensively, but you look at who was on the court with them. It's actually kind of interesting because in most of those lineups, Simmons is the is the quote unquote point guard, and then you've got some combination of Bellinelli and Redick at the shooting guard, small forward Covington or Bellinelli, and then power forward um, either Saric or Covington. And so a lot of these lineups, it's Ursan, but then you know Saric and Simmons are also six ten. Covington's what six eight, six nine, and yep. a terrific defender. So they're they're kind of different. They're kind of funky lineups to begin with, and so. You know, just kind of keep that in mind as as you sort of think through, you know, what those looked like. And, and those lineups did not rebound well at all, um, but they forced tons of turnovers and they did a great job of limiting teams ability to kind of make initial shots. Effective field goal percentage was was tremendous in terms of a, a loud, uh, a loud percentage. So and they're actually very good offensive rebounding. So um, that's sort of, again, more at the end where I think Ursan's rebounding shows up. It's going to be more on the offensive end rather than the defensive end. Let's see. I think that, I mean, to me, as you were talking about Ursan and him primarily playing four, I mean, how many times have we said it on this podcast? Giannis is a four. And that means 35 minutes are gone every night. And just trying to figure out how how you get Ursan a role um, before accounting for Jabari Parker feels difficult to me. And after accounting for Jabari Parker seems absolutely impossible. So um, it'll, I mean, it, we'll have to see kind of how the Bucks end up using him. Um, that's enough on Ursan for now. Um, I don't need to work myself up one more time. So let's go to the Brandon Jennings saga, which, good God, how, how am I even saying that in the year 2018? But this morning, Mark Spears of ESPN's The Undefeated reported that Brandon Jennings would that the Bucks would not be doing anything today, uh, would not be waiving Brandon Jennings, so his guarantee date would pass, and that means the full two point. Which makes no sense. Which makes no sense, everybody. That's insanity. That is everybody at Bucks headquarters is drunk and completely unaware of what flexibility means. Okay, continue. Right, sorry. So 
that broke this morning at around 10 a.m. Um, for the next two hours, uh, I think just about every Bucks fan that follows me got into my mentions and asked, huh? What? Does that mean? Are you serious? All of those things. That was what my mentions looked like for two hours. And then at about 12.05, uh, Matt Velasquez of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported that the Bucks had pushed back his guarantee date. Uh, and then a little bit after that, Mark Spears tweeted that uh, the guarantee date would be pushed back to August 1st. Now, pushing back a guarantee date, it is not uncommon. Lots of teams do it. They do. There's been a bunch of them that have happened in the last week. And for a player of Brandon Jennings' stature, I don't think it would be a move that would be all that surprising or all that offensive because flat out Brandon Jennings is not a very good NBA basketball player. So to ask him to move that back shouldn't be a problem. It should not be difficult in any way. You should be able to do it. You should then be able to go to the top of the new arena, grab an air horn, uh, grab a megaphone, and hit the air horn, then grab the megaphone and tell everyone, we have pushed back Brandon Jennings' guarantee date. You should be able to do that. It should be easy. It should be simple. And instead, for two hours, it looked like the Bucks were one of the more incompetent teams in the entire league because they had just guaranteed Brandon Jennings $2.2 million for the next season. Uh, so I was trying to think about like how to contextualize why this makes a little sense. Because here's the thing. like If Brandon Jennings is on an NBA roster in August making, two point, making the minimum, you know, basically – I guess whatever, like, you know, again, like as we talked about, like the whole, like, is Brandon Jennings an NBA player? High voice question mark thing. Oh, he doesn't even, he doesn't even get that because he's so (laughs) clearly not like, at at least with Thon, there's like, Oh yeah, you can see some stuff. There's nothing with Brandon Jennings anymore. There's nothing. He's not an NBA player. So, so here's the thing. So if Brandon Jennings was like somehow on the roster, cause like you, you needed a, you know, third or like point guard or you had an extra roster spot and you just really ran out of ideas or like the Bucks who apparently have never seen the like hoops hype list of free agents. Apparently like only guys who used to play for the coach or the Bucks like are, are even like being considered or whatever. Um, so like whatever, it's kind of like one of those whatever things like if it's, you know, or, or like what happened last year, right? Like, oh, okay, you're getting me a 10 day, like, okay, whatever. I, uh, why? I don't know, but whatever. And, you know, he and of course, for his first game back against the G League Memphis Grizzlies, you know, he has like this tremendous game and basically like earned his paycheck for the entire year because he basically helped them win a game in his yep. first game. And then really, you know, I think he had that one other Bulls game where he actually played really well and otherwise, you know, was was useless and mostly that was, unplayable. That was the Windy City Bulls, right? That was the Windy City Bulls. That's right. The G League Windy City Bulls oh, okay. that, yeah. uh, that uh, he beat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the idea that on July 1 with the luxury tax staring you down with a hard cap staring at you in the face and with, you know, a restrictive free agent that again, whether you want to keep him or not, in order to ever extract any value, you have to at least play the game of being able to match a contract that a team might offer. The idea that you would lock in a fourth freaking point guard who isn't even an NBA player <laughs> to a $2.2 million salary is, I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, just like literally like, 
how is nobody in the room? Because we know there are a billion people in the room when the Bucks make decisions at this point. You know, Wes Edens, Rod Thorne, John Horst, Milt Newton, whoever else gets to be part of these conversations. You know, how would you allow this to happen to basically tie up more money in your cap right now for a guy that you could get in a month for the same damn amount? You could waive him now and get him in a month because Lord knows, like, nobody's probably going to want to sign him. And if they did, who cares? Find, find another guy, you know, get friggin' Tyler Ennis if you need another former buck, right? He was just waived. Yep. Um, so the idea that this could have happened and that Jennings, because because Mark Spears basically, you know, Mark Spears then tweeted like, oh, correction, Brandon Jennings was completely convinced that he was getting his his, his salary guaranteed today. I mean, like, what are you what conversations are happening with Brandon Jennings and his agent that makes him think that how badly are you like botching everything about this? Because don't get me wrong, I'm glad that the that the guarantee day got moved back because it would have been stupid to guarantee him right now with everything that's happening. But like, even though they moved it back, it's like you know the freaking Benny Hill theme song is like blaring in the the Bucks practice facility or something because like they can't even communicate properly so this stuff can get leaked to agents and or not to agents but leaked to reporters properly. So yeah, it's just it's just. I mean, to me. That to me, like that, the the Brandon Jennings thing, <laughs> the fact that I didn't just wave him and be like, "All right, thanks, Brandon, you know, appreciate it. We'll see where we are a couple months from now. We'll give you a call." The fact that they didn't just do that and that they even that they even moved it back a date. I mean, uh, back a month. I mean, I I guess whatever optionality being always a positive thing, et cetera, et cetera. But the mere fact that like they might consider, you know, tying up cap money in Brandon Jennings right now is just like a major red flag that I just like, I, I don't understand what the Bucks thought process is about this stuff. And, you know, again, like I said last week, like, oh, no brainer, wave Brandon Jennings if you don't use him in a trade before July 1. And, you know, now it's just like, well, I don't, like, I'm I'm not seeing whatever, I, I don't understand. I think pretty much all the smart people that we follow were kind of similarly like, what the hell is happening? Why are they doing this? And Thank God that the guarantee they got moved back, but it's just like order of operations. It's like, it's like Eric, if I gave you, let's say we're having a big cookout this afternoon. Okay. Sure. But we have an order. We have, we don't have anything for the cookout, right? We don't have burgers. We don't have buns. We don't have hot dogs. We don't have any drinks. Right. And I say, crap, Eric, here's 50 bucks. You got 50 bucks to spend and you got to run really quick. You got a half hour. You got to, you got to, you know, haul ass down to the grocery store buy all the stuff we need with 50 bucks for this cookout. The way the best the best like metaphor for what the bucks have done so far in free agency is if you like immediately ran down to like the uh, I don't know, like the and, and again I'm going to have to try I I'm, I'm thinking this on the fly, but maybe like the relish section, if that was the first place <laughs> you went and you just spent you just spent like 15 bucks on relish. And it's like, I, that's Ursan. For those not following, that's Ursan. <laughs> so, Ursan, you went and you got a bunch of relish. Cause, like, I, I guess a lot of people like relish on hot dogs, and maybe that's useful, or maybe it's mustard or something like that. But it feels like you spent a lot of your budget on, on relish. Okay. <laughs> feels like we spent, it feels like we got a lot of, a lot of relish that we're going to have to throw out in a year. Um, and it's like, okay, well, uh, I, I guess relish may have been on the shopping list. So, okay, just keep going. We need, we need burgers, right? We need dogs, we need burgers, we need buns. Go, go, go do that. We need some drinks. And then Eric, instead of going and buying that stuff, you went off to like the candy aisle or something <laughs> and just bought like, you know, bought like 
$4 worth of like good and plenties or something, which I guess there are some people who like good and plenties, but you really don't need to be spending time getting good and plenties right now <laughs> for a cookout that's happening in a half hour. You know, I, I don't know that. And, and for those following that, the good and plenties are, are Brandon Jennings. And by the way, that's a great uh, candy selection for finding Brandon Jennings. If I, if I do say so myself, uh, because way, I have similar feelings about both of those things. I know some people like good and plenties, but when I got good and plenties growing up, when I was trick or treating as a kid, the worst, I just, I just threw that crap out. I didn't want that stuff. Um, and, and again, maybe good and plenty. I mean, they have, uh, they have a great personality or something. I don't know what I well, the, the metaphor breaks down, but anyway, it just, yeah, it just feels like, just feels like we're kind of this is kind of like just prioritization just does not seem to be something that's happening in kind of a really logical way right now and again ursan maybe end up being very useful but i still feel like i spent like we spent 40 percent of our budget on relish for our hot cookout and i i brandon jennings i don't yeah i don't i don't even know what what's going on there um i don't i don't think the bucks need him on the route i don't think the bucks need even a fourth point guard on the roster period at this point. Um, especially, you know, if you have any illusions of Dante DiVincenzo, maybe getting some random, you know, point guard minutes, if other guys are hurt or something like that. Um, I mean, I'd much rather try that than, than run back Brandon Jennings again. But again, that's, that's just me. Hey, Brandon. Yeah, it's the Bucks. We're thinking about pushing your guarantee date back. You know, we might keep you, we might not. Okay, sounds good. That that's the call. That was it. I just did it. That's how easy it was, and they didn't just they didn't do that. You could even do this. Hey, Brandon. Yeah, it's the Bucks. We really love you. We really want to have you back, but we're gonna waive you for now. You know, we might end up coming back to you later in the summer. Okay, that's great. That call also would have worked. Neither of those calls happened. And then the call I have to make after that is, hello, random reporter. Just so you know, we moved Brandon Jennings' guarantee date back. And no one would have cared. It would not have been a story because it's Brandon Jennings' guarantee date. It would have just been tweeted out and it would have been a fact and everyone would have moved on. But instead, for two hours, you look like an incompetent organization. Like, I, I, just how you could miss something that easy and simple is beyond me. Like, it, it wasn't hard. It, as, as, as NBA trades, acquisitions, moves go, that was about as easy as you could have. And the Bucks flubbed it. it it's just crazy to me. Like, uh, uh, not uh, as you said, we're uh, finishing up recording now about 142 uh, here on Sunday afternoon in the central time zone. We are just over, let's see, that's 14 hours into this. Not a strong 14 hours for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. And, and again, things could have gone much worse. Like, I, I think the Bucks could have maxed Jabari Parker at 1201. That would have been much worse. <laughs> like, th- that would have been really bad. That would have not gone well at all. And, you know, the Brandon Jennings thing might not end up being a big deal. Like, he might end up getting waived at the end. And, you know what? That might not hurt that much. And, you know what? Ersan Ilya Silva might be a valuable contributor this next year for 20 to 25 minutes a game. And it might all end up working out, but it is just a a series of moves in a series of events that just do not look good for this team. Like, I I don't think there's really any other way around it. Yeah. I mean, I think the best, the best news we got in the last 24 hours were 
like the walk back moves. It was that Ursan Isova's third year was was not guaranteed. Yep. Um, and that the Bucks it had in fact not um, actually guaranteed Brandon Jennings' um, uh, contract. So yep. like the the best moments have been the oh wait the Bucks aren't as completely insane as they implied they were based on what we just heard you know 15 minutes earlier. Yeah, not great, not great. Um, so I, I don't know. Again, like I think we're we're just gonna see how. We're gonna see how the market of kind of evolves. Um, as of now, I don't think we've seen anything suggesting Jabari Parker has met with any teams. Um, and again, a, a lot of this obviously comes down to uh, waiting for for teams to kind of read the market and figure out what they want to do with restricted free agents, just because those guys are obviously um, in much more precarious positions. But you know, certainly, um, you know, with the Lakers and everything happening there. Julius Randle sort of still going to be probably be in limbo until LeBron and that whole situation is sorted out. So a lot of discussion that LeBron was destined for LA, but he now appears to be also meeting with the Sixers. And then um, beyond that, um, I thought the Mavericks like apparently agreeing to just give DeAndre Jordan twenty some million dollars on one year is actually really significant for pretty much the entire market, just because the Mavericks had like a max salary slot basically. And they're going to go pay that on a 30 year old center who I, I don't know. I don't I don't know what the market for DeAndre Jordan would have been if he hadn't opted out and taken this with with the Mavs. So that kind of sucks up another 20 some million most likely in cap space. And so, again, a lot of a lot of the question is like are, are a lot of these random teams that have cap space like the Kings and the Bulls and teams like that. Like, do they actually want to go take chances on a guy like Jabari Parker, who's pretty unique? Right. I mean, in terms of like pedigree but also injuries and you know just big questions around him and being restricted and not knowing if teams their team's going to want to match um it's gonna be really interesting to watch and i think you know again uh, i think just the question is like does one of these random teams that still has flexibility do they actually want to go spend money on a restricted free agent um or you know we've heard a lot of talk as well that teams like the bulls and hawks may just try to absorb bad salaries and um take back picks and try to kind of just pile up more assets rather than than really try to go out and sign sign a lot of big contracts this year so um i don't know nothing if not um interesting first first 24 hours or first 13 hours and obviously i'm sure that there will be more action although i again think for the bucks really now it's not a whole lot of flexibility um really it's it, everything's now about jabari parker and what happens with him and um, i mean if he did walk they would have the biennial exception um to work with which i think is what close to four million i think I'm not, mm-hmm. i don't have it in front of me right now um and otherwise that not really much of any other money left on the mid-level after this ursan deal so we will we will see all right that is going to be it for us for today um hopefully i get this out in the next half an hour to an hour and you guys get it on sunday afternoon and you can hear more instant reaction but this will also serve as our monday podcast and then we will record once again uh on monday night for frank men i'm eric name this has been lockdown bucks we'll talk to you tomorrow